Do you know what day today is, Alan? We're in quarantine. I don't know what any day ever is. The day that this episode is released is my 30th birthday. Shit. Really? Yes. The good news is that we're recording this a few days before that, so you have time to pull out all of the stops. But Mm. today that everyone is listening to our words, I am turning 30. And in honor of that, here's a bonus episode. All right, here we go. Here we go. If you're joining us for the first time, I'm Abby Ranker, joined by Alan Kudan. Hello. And today we are going to talk about ESP, or extrasensory perception. (laughs) Not the emergency sleeping protocol? No, no, no. Extrasensory perception. Okay. Okay, so there are a few sources that I used for this research today. One, as always, is Wikipedia. Hmm. A crowd favorite. A crowd favorite. Another is the Unsolved Mysteries podcast. They did a two-part series on ESP. And I also used a Slate article by Daniel Engber titled, Daryl Bem Proved ESP is Real. Okay. We have cited our sources. We have cited our sources here. Let's get into the basics. Please. What is ESP? No idea. Extrasensory perception is essentially the reception of information not through one of the five senses. So extrasensory perception. That's pretty broad. It is. So it's not just like being psychic. Right. That's like under the umbrella. Okay. And also ESP is specifically sort of like the scientific terminology created by mostly professors, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into the history of it, but who are trying to define and prove some of these phenomena, if you will. Okay. So... What about, like, The Sixth Sense? The movie? Yeah, where the kid sees dead people. Right. Spoilers, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I think... Is that ESP? Yeah, in a way. Okay. I think probably... All right, I have a pretty good handle on ESP, then. So, here. So, like, the ability to read minds, Mm -hmm. to see into somebody else's thoughts, to see into the future or the past, to communicate with spirits or the paranormal. That's what I've written down as examples of ESP. So I would say yes to your question. Mm. Sixth Sense definitely would fall into this. What about being an empath? Tell me more. So an empath is someone that can't read thoughts but can read emotions. Yeah. So like, Yeah, then I would say for sure, right? Because it's not sight, smell. Like no one's telling you how they feel. You're picking up on it, right? No, they're they're not saying anything. They can just feel that you're you know, angry, you are scared, uh, you're in love. How are they feeling it? Oh, super with, by via supernatural means. Then yes, that's, well, not supernatural. It's, it's usually depicted in some kind of science fiction because their race is a race of empaths. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I would say, yes, I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about someone called J.B. Rhine. Is that different than J.G. Mellon? Yes. Totally different. Interesting. (laughs) J.B. Rhine, R-H-I-N-E, coined the term ESP. Alan, you'll enjoy this little bit of history. We'll see. So essentially, before we talk about J.B. Rhine, we have to talk about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the author of Sherlock Holmes. And also The Lost World. Correct. Arthur Conan Doyle, Alan, you might not know, was a big believer in spiritualism and the paranormal. Did you know that? I didn't. Yeah. Very, very, he's a, he's a key player in this story. And I would say he's an avid, almost to a fault believer in this coming from someone who is also a believer. That's so interesting. Having read like a ton of Sherlock Holmes, Mm -hmm. 
like every time that there's some aspect of supernatural anything it gets debunked yeah it's so like logical and scientific but in real life he was hugely a huge defender of spiritualists even when they were proven to be frauds jb ryan and his wife went to see doyle's lecture mostly because he was a famous author and they wanted to hear him talk but instead he talked about spiritualism which piqued ryan's interest at the time ryan was a professor of botany And he actually quit his job and moved to Cambridge, Massachusetts and enrolled at Harvard to study psychology. Interesting choice. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it right. So Ryan started to make contact with mediums in order to find proof of the existence of the paranormal. This sort of became his life's work. In 1962, he attended a seance with medium Mina Crandon, M-I-N-A-C-R-A-N-D-O-N, who was a friend of Arthur Conan Doyle. And enter the drama now. So Mina Crandon was a well-known psychic medium who claimed that she was able to channel her dead brother, Walter Stinton. She would hold seances naked and seemingly was able to ask spirits to make objects in the room glow or levitate. Why does being naked bring the spirit of your brother? Right. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Because what year was this? 1926. That's what I thought. Though she was supported by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, she was famously disapproved of by Houdini. And there's actually a whole ton of interesting information about Houdini and psychics and illusionists that he backed and or defrauded. I want to know everything there is to know about Houdini backing psychic mediums. Yeah, I think perhaps Houdini could be an awesome topic on his own right. I mean... For someone that specializes in illusions, I mean, well, did he specialize in illusions? I know he's an escape artist, but he's a a magician, you know? Right. Um, So, but still, no, they're they're, they're still illusions. There's always a trick to it, you know? The fact that he would side, he, he would fervently believe in any kind of medium when, you know, I'm I'm sure there are those out there that actually have some sort of supernatural gift, but the vast majority are complete phonies. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so here, get a load of this. Please. There are many investigations into Mina Crandon's legitimacy as a medium, but she was largely found to be dishonest, using magic tricks and illusions to trick people into thinking she had psychic powers. Hmm. So Ryan and his wife attended a seance with her in 1926 at Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's sort of, you know, request. Okay. Suggestion, if you will. And Ryan largely observed that she was kicking objects to make them look like they were levitating. Like, it seemed pretty obvious to him that she was not an actual medium. Was this a man that was famed for his observational prowess? I mean, he's a professor. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean... So he tried to write an article, or he wrote an article, mm-hmm. kind of explaining what he saw to sort of expose her as a fraud. Got it. And he tried to submit this article to a journal that had a connection to her, and they wouldn't publish it because they didn't want their poster child to be, um, you know, even if they knew that she wasn't a real medium, because she brought so much attention to to this, you know, profession or whatever, this yeah, spiritual yeah. type of thing. They wouldn't publish it, but he very easily found a different outlet, published it, and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote an article in response simply titled, Ryan is an ass. (laughs) 
And little known fact, but he was a very good writer. Yes. As a result of the Mina Crandon incident, Ryan and his wife Louisa moved to North Carolina, and he joined Duke University. At Duke, he ran many, many experiments seeking proof of ESP. Okay. What, what kind of experiments does well, one run to do this? We're going to tell you right now. Oh. His associate, Carl Zenner, developed a pack of cards, originally called Zenner cards, Z-E-N-E-R. Um, now they're kind of just called ESP cards. Okay. With symbols on them. So a circle, square, wavy lines, cross, and a star. There are five of each type of card. So in a pack of 25, there's five stars, five circles, etc. Is this the thing where like one person looks at the card and the other person is supposed to like read their mind to say what's on the card? Uh-huh. Okay, I've seen this in a bunch of movies. There are two participants in a telepathy experiment. The sender looks at a series of cards while the receiver guesses the symbols that the sender is actually seeing. Top and bottom, if you will. There you go. There are multiple types of exercises that Ryan developed to use the cards to identify clairvoyance and precognition as, as well as ESP. Alan, guess what? What? Guess what's going to happen next? <laughs> no idea. You do not. Oh, we're going to do it. She's got the cards. I made a pack. You made them? Yeah. I hand drew a pack. I have blank cards. And I hand drew a pack of ESP cards. Cool. We're going to do it now? We're going to do it now. And we're also going to make a bonus video of us doing this later for Patreon. So if you want to see us doing it. Click the link below. Yeah. Click the link below this time. Yes. And follow our, to our Patreon. Okay. We all know who has more psychic powers between the two of us. Yes, it's me. So hand me the damn cards so that we can prove this once and for all. Okay. But you're going to have to shuffle them a bunch. I'm going to shuffle them. Yeah. Do you want me to shuffle them for you? No, you're going to cheat. Okay. You're going to pull a freaking, what's, what's the guy's name that was a hack? The woman? What? What was the woman that was a hack? The Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, his Mina buddy. Crandon. Yeah, you're going to pull a Mina Crandon and fake it. Maybe. I'm shuffling really well. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I'm an expert shuffler. They used to call me the shuffler. So while you're shuffling. Yes. The interesting thing about this game, right, is that there's a probability issue. Because there's five, we'll go into the probability after we play, but there's only five types of cards and there's five of each. So it's not like picture a tree, picture, you know what I mean? Like you're, well, you're sort of limiting the scope here. No, this is like, this is like step one. So if it turns out that you're like super good at guessing off the ESP deck, then you'd clearly just move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Which would be a normal deck of cards. That's a 1 in 52 chance. Right. Yeah. So then it would be harder. But they made it very simple. Okay. Um, we're going to do this fully legit. Yep. Okay. Please cut the deck. No, oh. I can't touch it. You it's can't. not tarot card rolls. You, you, yeah, you cut it. It's okay. fine. I can, right. I can see. All right. You can see? I can't see the cards, but I can see you. Yeah. Okay. I'm now looking at my card. Okay. So I. But you have to think it. You have to imagine it and, I'm and then cha- send, I'm gonna, I'm gonna channel send me it. that energy. I send you good vibes all the time. Send it really hardcore I'm right going to send it super hard right to you Kay. on your birthday. All right. Here we go. Closing my eyes. I'm opening my mind. Focus up, Alan. I feel like I'm getting mixed messages from you. Nothing but a straight shooter over here. Is it a square? It is a square. <laughs> That's so weird. The first thing I thought was a star, and then I th- I thought I was seeing 
the wavy symbols and then I was like no it's a square and I thought I was thinking that because when I handed you the deck a square was on top but I'm glad I said it because but I was right. as we previously established I'm an incredible shuffler yeah whatever you put on top did not remain on top yeah should we do it one more time we'll do it one more time okay well you have to put that card back in the deck when you shuffle it again then you would decrease the probability there you go Okay, right. So we are back up to full probability. Uh-huh. Can't believe you got it in your first try. Well, very spooky. Shuffling, shuffling, shuffling. They used to call me the shuffler. You're very bad at shuffling. I'm incredible say. at shuffling. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, I'm pulling the card. Okay, hang on. Okay, pull the card. Okay, I'm going to close my eyes, open my mind. You're thinking about it. You're concentrating on it. I'm torn between two symbols, so please be clear in your thoughts. A plus sign. No. A circle. No. Oh, okay. Those are the two I was thinking. What is it? It's a squiggly line. A squiggly line. Okay, let me do it to you. I wasn't clear with my thoughts. I'm sorry. You know- I-, I was thinking a river. No, you got to think the image on the card. I just thought it w- you would respond better to a river. No. I'm looking for an image right now. Give me the deck. Give me the deck. I was imagining a river. That's you love water. But that's why. Why would you think of something symbolic versus thinking of the symbol on the card? It's going to be harder for me. I'm sorry. I was trying to meta game. What you hear right now is inadequate shuffling. Far superior shuffling. They did not used to call her the shuffler. Did they call you that because of the way you walk? No. Because my amazing card shuffling abilities. Okay. I got my card. Okay. Are you channeling it? Mm-hmm. I'm not getting anything. I'm channeling it. You got to channel it harder. I, I am. I don't Ch- think the problem is me. Channel it right towards me. I, I am. I know how to do this. It's a circle. No. It's a star. So I'm 50% psychic and you're 0%. Yep. Sounds about right. (laughs) Cool. So yeah. So if you want to see the cards and you want to see a video of us, we will post that to Patreon. It's going to be an incredibly exciting video. I think so. I think it'll be funny. I think if we up the ante, Uh where it's like if you guess incorrectly, you get like an electric shock. I thought you were going to say make it like strip ESP cards. Strip ESP. I mean, yeah, it's like everyone does. Right. Everyone does that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you go to Times Square at 2 in the morning, play some strip ESP. (laughs) So let's talk about results. Yeah, 33% effective. No, let's talk about results outside of our game. Okay, so probability predicts these test results for a test with 25 questions. So there's 25 cards Mm -hmm. with five possible answers. So there's five types of cards. So 20% chance to shoot in the dark. Right. Most people, 79%, will get between three and seven right. Out of of how many? Out of 25. Oh, okay. Because you guessed 25 times? Right. Okay. The probability of guessing eight or more correctly is just shy of 11% in a group of 25. Okay. Uh, Oh, in a group of 25, you can expect several scores in this range by chance. The chances of getting 15 correct is about one in 90,000. Wow. And then guessing 20 out of 25 has a probability of about one in five billion. Has anyone done it? Well, no. So guessing all 25 correct 
there's a chance of about one in 300 quadrillion. Quadrillion. Yep. You heard that right. So, Ryan. Oh, does that start with a Q? Yeah. Quadrillion. What's above quadrillion? I don't know. So you have billion, trillion, quadrillion? Yeah. What's next? I don't know. Ask a mathematician. Any mathematicians out there, please leave a comment below. So Ryan actually had some level of success with these experiments. However, uh, a bunch of other universities and professors tried to debunk his process by running the test themselves. Uh Um, And as you may imagine, they didn't have quite as much success. And so he was met with a bunch of criticism um, from the other major universities. Oh, that's what you get. Five psychological departments failed to replicate Ryan's results. I mean, these cards didn't even give me psychic powers. No, it's to test your psychic powers. But I mean, yeah, but... Not to give you psychic powers. Well, well, if well, it would have been a much more successful product if it gave you psychic powers. It's not a That's uh, all a that product. I'm saying. Okay, here we go. So let's talk a little bit about modern experiments, if you will. Yes. And again, the, all of the Rhine stuff happened in the 20s and 30s, so it was pretty old school. Yeah. So Gansfield experiment. The receiver, so we're just going to talk about different types of experiments. The catcher. No. The receiver is in a relaxing pose in one room. There's typically halved ping pong balls covering their eyes, and they are listening to either white or pink noise on headphones, which is just static noise. Alan, what is the difference between white and pink noise? I'm so glad you asked. Mm -hmm. It it depends on how you're going to define white noise specifically, Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you can set different intervals but basically it's every sound every every um frequency is heard simultaneously at the same amplitude so that's low frequencies to high frequencies arbitrarily we're going to say it at you know 10 hertz increments right right so what that ends up sounding like is picture like tv static it sounds kind of high pitched it sounds like shh right? Yeah. But the low frequencies are still equally represented. Yeah. Theoretically, on paper at yeah. least. But it doesn't sound like that. It still sounds super high pitched. Pink noise, but the, well, the, the reason behind that is like low frequencies, if you're doing 10 hertz increments, because um, like human hearing is 20, 000, is 20 hertz up to 20,000 hertz. Yeah. So, but the difference between 20 hertz and 30 hertz, you know, is, I don't know, it, technically it's audible like an audible change in frequency right but the difference between you know 16,000 hertz and 16,000 and 10 hertz is not right but in white noise they're both still represented Mm -hmm. so there's technically more samples in the higher end Uh not technically but that's how your ear interprets it yeah pink noise takes this into account and so it's going to sample more from the low end than it is from the high end so to the human ear, it's going to sound like a more full representation of the human hearing spectrum than white noise would. Instead of like white noise, which skews towards the high, pink noise, because it samples more from the low, it actually balances out. So you actually hear the low frequencies and it actually sounds like a more even representation of all the frequencies. But they're both just static. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a, a noise generation. TLDR. White noise is higher pitched. Pink noise is a f- broader spectrum. Uh, white noise is a mathematical representation 
of all the frequencies simultaneously. Pink noise takes into account how the brain interprets sound Mm -hmm. and skews it so that it sounds like a better representation of the human hearing. Why are they called white and pink? That I'm not quite sure, but I know that pink pink noise is used when doing tests with sound equipment, Mm -hmm. usually, um, just because sound equipment usually still equates to human hearing. Right. And having a representation um, of the full spectrum is much more useful than one that's skewed. Right. The thing is, uh, you also didn't incorporate brown noise, which is the opposite of white noise, where it skews towards the low end of mm-hmm. the frequ- of the hearing spectrum, uh, while white noise skews towards the top. Pink noise still being the happy me- medium of everything. Interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that little side lesson. You're welcome. So, jumping back to the Gansfield experiment. So the receiver is in a relaxing pose in one room. Again, there are halved ping pong balls on his eyes. Why and ping pong balls? And that's the way they did it. And it's just such an interesting choice because light still goes through. Maybe that's why. Okay. And he's listening to pink noise on his headphones. And the sender is actually in a different room with similar conditions. And the sender is supposed to think of something and send a message to the receiver. So again, this is a little less... Um, it's a little more subjective than using the ESP cards because the the sender could literally be thinking of anything, right? And not he's not set to these five symbols. Yeah. Okay. So the sender is in another room with similar conditions. The sender is supposed to think of something and send the message. Send the message to the receiver. The receiver. The receiver is supposed to speak out loud during the thirty minute test describing essentially what they see in their mind's eye. And there's a facilitator who doesn't know the object that the sender is trying to get the receiver to say. And this person's just taking notes or recording the session. So, Alan. Yes. You know what this reminds me of? No, not at all. In both the movie The Changeling, mm-hmm. and in which we recently watched. We did. Which is on Shutter right now, so I would suggest it if you haven't watched it yet. We watched the original, not the remake. Right. And in the movie The Others, there's scenes where there's a medium. They're just writing. Their hand is just moving with a pen or a pencil on a piece of paper, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that scene? Yeah. But it was a very convincing medium as well. In both movies, I think. I, I, have I seen The Others? I don't know. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Don't so think I've seen it. We should watch it. There's a scene where... There's scenes in both where... A medium is with a pen or a pencil on a piece of paper just sort of moving their hand... And as messages come through from the other side, they start to write words. And it's kind of that same thing where the, the receiver is supposed to just always be talking, right? Right. And then after the fact, they're looking for like artifacts within that. So it's not just like the guy is guessing tree, dog, car. You know what I mean? It's like this uh, stream of consciousness in which he could say something. You know what I mean? Like if the guy's thinking of a car... In the 20 minutes to 30 minutes of rambling, he could mention a car. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, depends on what they write down. If they, if their stream of consciousness happens to be like a play-by-play of the Indy 500, then like, okay, maybe they're onto something. Yeah, but I just mean like it's it broadens the scope where he's not just like definitively right. saying, he's sending me a picture of a glass. Right. And also... He's, they're hoping in this time period that somebody mentions something. You know what I mean? I don't know how specific the tests are, but... Let's give everyone the benefit of the doubt for a moment. Sure. And let's say that he is indeed sending psychic premonitions to that person. Uh-huh. Now, everyone's brain works slightly differently. And 
maybe he's going to interpret them. He or she mm-hmm. is going to interpret them completely differently. Absolutely. From the way it was sent, simply because, say, we're still sending an electrical impulse. It's some facet over psychic waves. The fact that it might be interpreted differently is fully reasonable. Yeah. And again, I I do not shut the book on mediums. I certainly believe that they can exist. I think there's certain famous mediums that are phonies and frauds and that there always will be. But I am very open to to that. And I think you're right that if somebody can interpret something with images or however they do it, you know, there's always a sense of how they're interpreting a message versus how it was intended. I, I would like to go on the record. Yeah. And say that I think mediums exist. Yes. In some facet. You do. I do. You don't believe in the paranormal, but you believe in mediums. Um. And again, so it's it's not that I don't believe in the paranormal. It's like I don't believe in ghosts. So what paranormal do you believe in? So, you know, the, the definition of a ghost could be the energy resonance from someone displaced from space and time. Right? Yeah. You know, an echo of someone's life. Right? Whether that is the immortal spirit, up for debate. But from a scientific standpoint, I lean more towards you know, uh, uh, uh in, in just some kind of echo. Right. Okay. Um, and I think that there have been people throughout time that have been sensitive in one way or another to these types of things. Uh-huh. That said, I have had less than desirable experiences with mediums, personal firsthand experiences, personal firsthand experiences. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear the drama. I worked on a whole TV show uh-huh. about mediums. Yeah. And they brought in a smattering of mediums. Um, some that are just like the type of people that you like, you walk into like on like the little shop corners, mm-hmm. you know, they got, they got the little psychic shop yeah. coming for a palm reading, that type of thing. Like a fortune teller. A fortune teller. Thank you. That's the term. All the way up to the people that charge $10,000 for a session. People we would have heard of? Um, possibly. I don't remember names. <laughs> These are the type of people that if they're charging that type of money, clearly they're getting the business, you know? So they, someone out there believes in their credibility. Yeah. I mean, also just a quick side note, those New York City fortune tellers in little shops, do you know how much that rent costs? There's a whole New York Times article about how much money like highbrow New Yorkers pay to those people, essentially. Like their rent in these neighborhoods is insane. Yep. And they have a huge, huge, huge influx of people who are paying. I am much more inclined to believe that the people that like the little fortune tellers on the side of the street have more psychic abilities than the ones that charge $10,000. Sure. Um, simply because I believe that the ones that charge so much money are incredible con artists. They tell you exactly what you want to hear. They know exactly how to pull all those heartstrings. Yeah. And they cheat you out of your life savings. So tell us about your experience. So this show was a hidden camera show. Yeah. Where they had a fake family. These were all just paid actors. And then the medium would come into their home. And they had some completely phony story about how the father of the family had passed away 
you know, stressful. Oh, so they were trying to test the medium. It was was all about just testing mediums. Interesting. And it was, so fortunately I've, 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 I've spared my mother from telling her the story because she is a hardcore believer in mediums. So is mine. Yep. With they, there was just a paid actor family. So obviously there's no chemistry between them. They're not family members. There's no deceased father. Um, and they brought in the medium because they said that they were hearing like clunks and like they felt that there was like a presence in their house and they just want to get to the bottom of all this. Of the whole show, of all the people they brought in, only one person was like, I'm not feeling anything. Everyone else just immediately jumped on the bandwagon. Cause That's like, interesting. Of just like, I feel the presence. Oh my God. And like, we... Well, okay. Can let me ask you a question? Yeah. How much of that though do you think like... Even regardless of somebody's psychic abilities, Mm -hmm. this is their livelihood and their job and how they're getting paid. Mm -hmm. And so they know in that situation, they're not going to make money if there's no reading. Right. And so how much of it is they're they're like, you know, they maybe sometimes they don't get a get a message or or whatever, but they still want to get paid. Right. They still want to have a reputation and they still need to build a business for themselves for sure but i mean i still also think that makes them a con artist sure yeah but it doesn't mean that they it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have any psychic ability if you legitimately had some kind of ability i feel like you could there's enough opportunities to use that ability to its extent that you wouldn't have to fake it on a regular basis right i mean maybe they're not though maybe you know what i mean it's not typically actors that come in to see them. It's yeah. It's it's usually, well, so they had a bunch of experts speak on the show as well. Yeah. Um, and experts just, in what? Uh, experts in just like people that have, I guess, studied this, the, the topic of mediums. Oh, sure. And, you know, published articles and that sort of thing. During the interviews, there was uh, this one person who spoke of, I think it was a father who lost his daughter yeah i think and the medium would like channel the daughter and every time they met was like five thousand mm-hmm. dollars and he would like li- he would um go to this medium once a month yeah to just because that was how he spoke with his daughter and had right. closure and all these things but it was never closure it would always just lead on to the next thing yeah and the man went into debt and was like financially ruined because of this medium because she just like completely played off his emotions and pulled on his heartstrings i mean there's two things i want to say yes one is that that's actually similar to the plot of a movie that we're currently editing and will be releasing soon to our youtube channel called the summoning oh well no that has but it's somebody who's returning to a medium yeah because of someone they lost Mm. and they want to maintain that connection and my other point is that you know it's sort of interesting it's an interesting sort of human condition to deal with loss in this way, right? Where you're turning to the paranormal to help you deal with a loss, right? And so it's sure. it's like kind of like, is it healthy for, you know, probably not for this person, A, to be spending that much money and also to sort of be, to, they're not moving on from this loss because they're so sure that that they're still able to communicate with this person, right? They're not like grieving and letting it go. It's still like an active wound in their life every day or, you know what I mean? There, I mean, that's a, a fine line I know, but there was like 
one older woman that was i forget which family member she was like trying to contact i think it was like her husband or something yeah that ended up having she like sold her house and everything to like pay for this like this was one of like the ten thousand dollar mediums to just like constantly be talking to because she felt like this was the connection and then they sued this part they sued the medium and like the family members afterwards sued the medium like i can't believe you're taking like our our mother whoever it was um for this much money you freaking con artist but they like sign a waiver at the beginning saying that this is just for entertainment uh yeah so there's that yeah it's just depressing yeah sure so i got i got jaded get me back on track so we're gonna shift gears a little to talk about somebody named daryl bem who's daryl bem so Daryl Bem is a psychologist and a retired professor from Cornell University. He paid for most of his research studies out of his own pocket. Good for him. Yeah. So according to the Slate article that I cited at the beginning, he discovered and was able to prove through experiments that time moved in two ways. And this would totally change the way we understand the physical world. What do you mean time Time moves... So what? So when I say he proved it, it's almost like in air quotes. Uh huh. So we'll get into it. Okay. So he's met with a ton of criticism, though his research seems to be sound and credible. The um, undergrad students that were participating in his research experiments, uh, they would be sitting at like a computer monitor because time has now progressed and we're not in the 1920s anymore and now we're using computers. So they would be sitting at a computer monitor and they would be shown an image of a pair of curtains. And they would need to guess which curtain had an image hiding behind it. And by the way, these images were of 70s porn stars. And he used pornographic images because he thought that ESP was a sixth sense that had been developed over millions of years of evolution. Hmm. And so he figured it made sense that it would be aligned with one of our most basic and primal needs. It's interesting that they chose a computer monitor, though. The student would be sitting at the computer, right? Yeah. And there'd be two curtains. And behind one would be this image, right? And the student would need to sort of, like, determine which curtain the image was behind. Can you give us an example of what one of these images would look like in detail, please? No. However, the correct answer would be randomly determined only after the student made the choice. So Tina would say, oh, the left curtain. And then the computer would be like tasked with generating the image. So it didn't exist yet by the, when she asked, when well, she predicted it. I mean, that's, that's why I said earlier, it's so interesting that they picked a computer screen because it's, it doesn't physically exist. Well, yeah, but, but the point of it was that this would be evidence that he or she this was correctly saw, read, saw into the future. Right. So th this was a premonition test. Correct. So the data proved Ben's hypothesis. Students selected the pornographic image locations 53% of the time. That marked a small but significant improvement over random guessing. Ben ran tons of experiments, most of which tested volunteers one way and then the opposite way, showing that subjects were impacted emotionally by words or images they hadn't seen yet. I mean, I don't know what kind of heathen would voluntarily look at pornography. Well, they were getting paid, probably. Well, you know, you, you do what you got to do when times are tough. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. My brain just calculated what you said. You just say you don't know what sort of heathen would voluntarily look at pornography? <laughs> that is what I said. Okay. We'll just let that sit in the air for a minute. There's nothing wrong with looking at pornography, my friends. 
So on that note, now we are going to read a very non-pornographic story about ESP that I wrote. Okay. And I'm going to say this. I'm not doubting myself, especially on my birthday episode. I never doubt you. But I had a sort of wave of creative energy when I started writing this story and I felt super into it and it was hard for me to end. So I don't know. I would love to hear, I guess, what you and the audience thinks of the end um, because it would maybe be worth editing in the future. The Professor, written and narrated by the birthday girl, Abby Branker. Soft sunlight filtered in through her dirty dorm room window as her eyes blinked open for the first time that day. She was still wearing the striped t-shirt she'd worn out the night before. It smelled of cigarette smoke. She rolled over, pointedly not looking at the clock. It was Saturday and she did not want to get out of bed. Someone knocked loudly on her door. Maria, phone call for you. She groaned. Who is it? Didn't say. Maria rolled out of bed and grabbed a pair of ripped jeans from the pile of clothes next to her. She had been up late drinking at the captain's daughter, a pub just off the main campus drag. She'd become a regular as her course work grew. She'd reward herself every Friday with a few free drinks from the good-looking bartender. Lori's red curly hair had caught Maria's attention the first night she'd stumbled in with a group of friends. Now she'd go by herself and drink until Lori's shift was over at midnight. Maria now shuffled into the living room. Isn't that the shirt you wore yesterday? Her roommate gave her a judgmental look before heading off to the shower. Maria noticed she'd already gone for a run. Hello? She answered the phone. Ah, hello there, Maria. This is Dr. Keene. We had a meeting scheduled for this morning and you didn't make it. Damn it, Maria swore in her head. She had forgotten about the research exercise. She was doing it as a favor to her psychology professor. Dr. Keene, I'm so sorry. Not to worry. We actually had quite a healthy turnout this morning, but I was wondering if you'd be interested in coming in this afternoon. Based on our results today, I, uh, I'd like to dig in a little deeper. Absolutely, Maria promised. What time? At exactly 2 p.m., Maria knocked on the door to Dr. Keene's office in the psychology building on East Campus. She had replaced her second day outfit with a sharp tweed blazer and long brown skirt. This was one of the older buildings at the university, and its aged wood interior smelled musty and dated. Maria liked the aesthetics, though, and made her feel scholarly. The door flung open, and Dr. Keene, a short but jolly-looking man, greeted her. Ah, please come in. She followed the man into his office. I'm so sorry about this morning. Please, my dear, no need to apologize. I'm glad you could make it in now. I think it will be more valuable. Professor Flint had identified you as a true skeptic, and I need that energy now. Maria's eyes scanned the room. A large mahogany desk sat in the back, a grand leather chair behind it and two wooden seats in front. To the left were several metal boxes, sets of dice and cards. The pair sat down. Maria, do you know what my research is in? Maria tried to remember what Dr. Keene's work focused on, but she drew a blank. She shook her head. Have you heard of extrasensory perception or ESP? She almost laughed. Do you mean mind reading? Yes and no, my dear. Mind reading is a rather shallow term, in my opinion. I'm talking about a sixth sense, an ability to garner information that one should have no ability to access, whether that's from mind reading or tapping into something larger. Okay, Maria was skeptical. She wondered if the true test was whether or not she was buying into this garbage. Now let me address the elephant in the room. I do believe in ESP. I have done extensive research on this. However, I do not expect you to, and it's better if you do not. I do not want to convert you. Do you understand? 
Maria nodded, mildly relieved. Are you willing to take part? Yes. Splendid. Dr. Keene looked truly excited about her participation. What I want to do is not totally kosher, so to speak. Because it is only you and I, there will be no neutral third party. However, I have some ideas and I want to trial run them before we set up a bigger test. The doctor stood and walked over to his tools. He took two metal boxes and placed one in front of Maria on his desk and one in front of his grand leather chair. He gave her a deck of cards and returned to his seat. Before we start, please take a look at the deck. Flip through them all and shuffle them as you will. You'll notice five cards of each shape. Maria thumbed through the deck. Geometric shapes had been drawn on the cards. She shuffled them several times using the metal box to block the doctor's view. Okay, she said. The doctor was taking notes. He looked up at her. Now we begin. You are going to randomly choose a card, keeping it hidden from me. I will need you to visualize that card, picturing the shape clearly in your mind. I will guess what you're seeing. Simple enough? Maria nodded. She shuffled the deck and cleared her mind, trying to take this as seriously as she could. It felt like she was appeasing a child. Okay, she said, I'm ready. Dr. Keene nodded. He closed his eyes and placed a simple eye mask on his face, which seemed like overkill considering the metal box. Begin, he said. Maria flipped over a card and really tried to study it. It was a red six-pointed star. She wasn't sure if she was doing it right, but Dr. Keene started to hum. She didn't want to disrupt his trance-like state or make this any more complicated than it needed to be. This was just a game of probability. The star, he said. That's correct, she replied. She wasn't impressed. She shuffled the deck again and pulled another card. This time, she concentrated on a blue square. The square, he said, matter of fact. Yes. This time, she flipped over the entire deck and pulled out two cards. One with squiggly lines and another with, with a giant plus sign. He paused for a moment. She tried to concentrate harder on the images. The plus sign and the squiggles. Maria gasped and threw the cards down. Surely she was being tricked. What? How? She was backing away from the desk as Dr. Keene was taking off the eye mask. My dear, I'm just as scared as you are. And the doctor did indeed look scared. His hands shook as the blindfold fell to the desk. What am I thinking, Maria demanded. That isn't how this works. Dr. Keene started, but Maria cut him off. Guessing cards is one thing, but tell me what I'm picturing. Look inside my mind. The doctor looked defeated, but closed his eyes again. Maria pooled all of her concentration into one image in her brain. The sycamore tree outside of her childhood home. I'm seeing, he paused, a tree, a tree in a field. Maria turned on her heel and walked out of Dr. Keene's office. She refused his phone calls and eventually transferred departments. She took up social work and never regretted it for one second. Though the impact of this moment faded as she aged, she never forgot the feeling she had that day. A feeling that everything she understood about the physical world around her was wrong. You know what that made me think of? No. You haven't seen Akira yet, have you? No. Akira is an amazing movie, and it is all about um, psychic powers. And uh, a big part of the movie involves this government facility testing people for psychic abilities until they find, and then they, they have... Uh, you know, people that have tested positive and then they get this one guy that he's testing positive, but like kind of his results are kind of across, like off the charts. And so they give him all these drugs that are supposed to like augment 
and it basically leads to an un, uh, unrestrained growth of these abilities. This help, this the the story you read felt very much like part one. I mean, yeah, when I was that's why when I was writing it, I didn't really know how to end it because it felt like the start of a of a much bigger story, and mm-hmm. so I just sort of like rushed that little paragraph about the rest of her life, you know. No, I I like that because like those are the types of things that absolutely stick with you. Yeah, because you can't explain it, you can justify it as much as you want, but regardless, you know, I'm sure she's gone through her mind a thousand times being like, okay, there was cameras in the room. He had an earpiece. They were feeding him answers, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that's also a cynic me from TV, but where like the experiment wasn't about his psychic abilities. It was her reactions to psychic abilities. Yeah. Did so, he really have psychic abilities? Did he? In your story? What do you think? I think he did. Yeah. So why was he, why did he bring her in? Because she was a skeptic. So what was he trying to prove? Just he, she was the complete. She was a control and he wanted to not have someone who believed in this, who was going to appease him or mm-hmm. buy know. into it. He wanted like someone who absolutely stone cold had no dog in the fight, so to speak. Honestly, it's when people that have no dog in the fight get, you know, like the, 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 the straight man that gets swept up into this that's when things get kind of really interesting and kind of spooky almost yeah uh versus the people that think like oh my god of course this exists and look look he's proving his power then it just seems like this is a fake culty type situation well that's our dynamic isn't it maybe yeah i mean not today it's your birthday yeah well all right everybody well that is all i have to say about esp Thank you guys. In a in a mini sentimental moment, I was thinking about what I wanted to do on my birthday because it will be in quarantine and it's a big birthday. And working on this project is the thing that always stands out to me as a highlight in my life. And so I wanted to do something extra on this day. So thank you guys so much for all of your support, for listening, for contributing in all the ways that you do. We really, really appreciate all of the supporters we have out there. If you want to, you could follow us on Instagram at The Lunatics Project. You could find our short films on YouTube at Films About Lunatics. You can also back us on Patreon, where we post all kinds of bonus content, bonus videos, extra spooky stuff. Uh, We are at The Lunatics Project on Patreon. And again, we're really, really thankful, and we love you guys so much. So thank you so much for listening. But we didn't have to say any of that, because all you psychics out there already knew. That's right. So until next time, thank you guys. Bye. Bye. The spring issue of Lunatics Magazine is now available. Did you know that, Alan? Uh, no, didn't. Well, it's true. It's fairy tale and folklore themed. And despite all odds in quarantine, I think we did a pretty good job. It's co-created by Emily Graverson of Personal Space Press a dear friend of mine and an amazing artist who always collaborates on the magazine with me. She does all the design. She puts it all together and has tons of illustrations. And in this one, photographs. Are you saying that you and Emily put this together despite all odds? Despite all odds. Incredible. Incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm really, truly happy with it. Well, I'm sold. How do I get the magazine? So if you're looking for a digital version of the magazine, you can get it immediately on our Etsy store. You can also pre-order a physical version, and we're just going to print as many as people want. 
And if you do get a physical one, we have tons of extra stickers and stuff that we're going to throw in. Extra surprises. Extra surprise, extra love for you. So all of that is on our Etsy store at Films About Lunatics. Check us out there. No, no, no. I don't want to go through the whole, I have to order it every time it comes out. I want it automatically shipped to me. Oh, well, Alan, I have a solution for you. Oh, please. Anyone who's part of our Patreon gets a digital version of the magazine, even people who give a dollar a month. If you're looking for a physical version of the magazine, anyone who gives $5 a month automatically gets the physical version along with tons of bonus content and tons of surprises in the mail. Anytime we have like a new a new sticker printed, we always send you guys them first. Sign me up. You can find us on Patreon at The Lunatics Project. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon to access our patron-exclusive podcast, Horror Movie Club. Also head to lunaticsproject.com to check out our spooky merch and apparel. You can find us at Lunatics Project on Twitter and TikTok, and The Lunatics Project on Instagram and YouTube, where you'll find our short horror films, cemetery tours, and so much more. And please rate and review. A little feedback goes a long way to help us grow and get more content out there. Our cover art is by Pilar Kep. And musical bumpers are by Michaela Papa and Jordan Moser.